for a number of months, people can ski on the snow and within half an hour, they can drive to the sea and they can ski in the sea or they can swim in the sea. With a maximum of one and a half hour, they can go from one side of the island to the other and they can see completely different things. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I have a very accomplished tourism expert as my guest today. And if I tell you all the list of things that he has done, you're going to really wonder how one puts all this in one lifetime. He was a 30 years partner with PwC and in charge of the hospitality and leisure advisory group. He was the past chairman of the Cyprus Tourism Organization. He assisted the Cyprus Hotel Association and he assisted the district of Paphos as the project manager in their successful bidding as European Capital of Culture in 2017. And we're going to find out more about what he does and has done. Angelos Loisu, welcome to Most Memorable Journeys. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to have a talk with you. I am very happy to have you. Let's dive in right away. Let's go back many, many years. When was the first time you were on a plane? The first time I was in a plane was when I was 10 years old. And with the school, we have been to a a camping visit in Greece. That was the first time. The second time was when I was 21. And that was the time. I left Cyprus to go to the UK for my studies. Now, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I know that you are not so young anymore. Let's put it diplomatically. So when you went on that plane when you were 10 years old, did you leave from Nicosia Airport? Yes, I did. That was from Nicosia. That was back in 1964. So you know my age now. Now I do. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My father was a government officer and there was an agreement between the Cyprus and the Greek government with exchange visits of of children, of government, public uh, sort of employees. And that was the opportunity that um, was given to me to go and and spend about two weeks in, in Greece. Nice. That's nice. So that was the the first experience because I did a podcast episode with uh, Adamos Marneros, who was the last pilot who landed at Nicosia Airport before it was closed down forever in 74. In fact, Adamos was the pilot that took us to London in 1975. That was when I went for the second time in an aeroplane. You're joking, really? I just happened to to meet Adamos because back in 1973, when I, in 71, I'm sorry, I was a student of the English school in Nicosia. And some of us have taken the exams of Cyprus Airways to go to Oxford University and train as pilot. I passed my exams. But the moment I went for the interview, I was rejected because I was wearing glasses. Ah. I had myopia. So I did not have the opportunity to to become a pilot. But 
when I started my career in flying, one of the things I used to do was to request from every pilot that I was in his flight to allow me to visit the cockpit. So Marneros was one of them at the time. That's amazing. Imagine what your life would have been if you had become a pilot. Do you ever wonder how things would have been? Not really, to be honest. The the fact that I was not successful to become one, I just took it off my system. And I said, okay, I'm going to travel and, and I will travel not as a pilot. And probably I will travel with my own comfort as and when I want and wherever I want. Yeah, I think um, sometimes, you know, things happen for a reason and and, uh, it's okay. We just, as you say, we take it off our list. You tried, it didn't work and that's fine. You move on. So um, you went to study in the UK, right? Yes, I am a chartered accountant. I'm an accountant by professor and uh, I'm a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales. And that's where I studied and worked. I was in the UK for about eight years. And I spent um, uh, a lot of time in London, in Liverpool and the Isle of Man. All right. When you were working or when you, when you were a partner in PwC, did you do a lot of traveling? Yes, I did, actually. Um, I was in charge of, of a number of disciplines, what we called, where um, I, I needed to travel because uh, Back in the early 80s or mid-80s, I would say, that was the time when we started as um, young uh, managers and then partners of the firm to go around um, in the world and visit and make presentations about Cyprus and present Cyprus and how we thought that Cyprus was a nice place to live and work. Uh, And basically, we were inviting businesses to set up their operations in our island. So uh, that was part of the traveling that I used to to make, uh, to introduce sort of foreign business coming to Cyprus. Later on, when I became as the hospitality and leisure leader, I was going about for conferences, but also for uh, clients' business Uh, going abroad, um, even going with clients abroad to visit tourist establishments in various countries to get ideas, what we can do in Cyprus, the financing structure of the the project and uh, all these things. Uh, One other thing I did, and probably you have missed it from my CV, is that I was invited back in 2002 by ISHC, which is the International Society of Hospitality Consultants. It's a a, a very well-recognized association based in the United States, and it hosts about 250 renowned consultants from all over the world. I was invited to join, possibly because they have found out about the work I was doing for the hospitality industry. And um, they quite apparently liked what I was doing because I was invited to join the board and I went through the ranks um, and I served as the president and chairman of ISHC. And that has given me tremendous experience of the hospitality industry uh, on a global, on an international basis. 
That was the time I met people like Bill Marriott when I was interviewing him at the Alice Conference, the most important conference in the United States about the hospitality industry and various other well-known people in, in our industry. Yeah, I definitely missed that. And that is very impressive um, because that is a lot of experience. In all those trips, when you were going to present or when you when you were going to find out what could be uh, opportunities for Cyprus as well, is there any place that made an impression on you that you, that you really liked or that you thought was special? One place that it's, it's in my mind it was when I was in a conference in Panama. And Panama, okay, it could be beautiful, but it could be ugly. Uh, It could have good weather or bad weather. But it it was quite impressive, especially getting to know the history of the canal there and how, you know, that place developed because of the canal and how it has made the life, the global life, more Uh, efficient because of its existence. So that was one area which I I liked. South Africa, it's an impressive place. And that's something which is, uh, it's a must for anybody to to visit. Uh, It's a different place of what we see every day in Europe. I've been to United States and Canada many times and if you are out in the countryside of United States and Canada, uh, it, it's really beautiful. You, you can see some very, very nice things. China is another place where people, I mean, one can find the civilization and the development and uh, the beauty, the natural beauty of the place. Japan is very impressive for other things, of course, and that's another place that has um, impressed me. I haven't been to some places, though, um, Elizabeth, and I I don't know whether I would be happy to go. It's the places where there is a lot of humidity. I don't like humidity. It kills me. So I'm, I'm deliberately avoiding places where there is humidity, though I can understand that there are some very beautiful places on earth, thinking of Singapore and uh, Thailand and and Malaysia possibly and Indonesia, but uh, it's something which I have deliberately avoided. It's funny because I don't like humidity either, and I totally agree with you. I used to be a tour guide in the US and in Canada. I've been to South Africa, and I I love the nature. And I mean, you know, we we sometimes say, and people in the United States, they don't even have a passport, and, you know, they haven't been out of their country, but they have such a beautiful country from the Pacific to the Atlantic and all the mountains and the desert and whatever. They don't really need to leave their country. They have so much beauty within their country. It's huge. It's not like for us here in Cyprus, we need to leave. Our island is small. You're absolutely right, but there is something that I I have thought about and I concluded that there are places very near us that combine what four or five continents offer. And I will give you one example. I'm not going to say Cyprus. I'm going to say Peloponnese. The whole of the Peloponnese area gives you the scenery and the 
view and uh, the climate and whatever you can think of that one can find in three, four different continents. You have mountains, you have snow, you have beaches, you have deserts. There are areas where you think you are in desert. They have uh, rivers. It's a combination of things in such a small area that, you know, it makes you wonder in big countries or in big continents, you need to travel for thousands of miles to see a combination of all these different types of climate and different types of geology and, and all that. But in a place like, um, like Peloponnese, you, you can see the lot in, in such a small area. Yeah, it's very, very beautiful. I mean, generally, Greece is a very beautiful country. I came to Cyprus in the 80s. I came to Cyprus for the first time in 1982. I had been working in Greece before, and I was sent here as a young tour guide. I had no idea where I was going. I thought Cyprus was a Greek island. I didn't know that they were driving on the wrong side of the road. I was uh, very inexperienced. And I absolutely loved it. And I came back, I started in 82 and I came back uh, six, six summers. I used to go away in the winter. I used to go and work in the tropics or somewhere else in, in, in humid countries in the winter. But um, I loved the 80s. And when I look back today, I think we had the best tourism years in the 80s. What do you, do you agree with me? I think it was, and if we look at it from a tourist point of view, uh, the 80s were the golden years of tourism in Cyprus. Uh, I mean, starting from 81, you can say, coming to a sort of peak in 86, 87, uh, until 90s, early, early 90s. And that was the time we had the Gulf War in Gulf War, if you remember, in '91, and things mm-hmm. were affected um, here. But but at the time we had visitors that were coming to Cyprus two or three times every year. We had repeaters from the UK, from Germany. Uh, we had the, the average income, the average income per visitor back in the '80s was probably three times as much as what it is today. The spending power of a visitor, of a tourist, back in the 80s was much higher than what it is today. The quality of hotels, the hotels were brand new at the time. They were very good hotels, spacious hotels. They were under strict regulations. The construction was under strict regulation. They were spacious. The people working in hotels were almost 100% locals offering the experience, the local experience and the experience that any visitor uh, would love to get with authenticity uh, and with um, the, the, the genuine hospitality that Cyprus has been known for thousands of years uh, that's why Cyprus was hosting a lot of visitors, either for a long time or for a short time. Uh, that's why we, we are always considered as a, as a destination 
offering hospitality. I totally agree with you because I know some of those repeaters. I used to look after them and these people used to come here and they became friends with a waiter, with a barman, with a receptionist, and they got invited to a christening or to a wedding. They became, they, they made friendship and, and they came back, as you say, two, three times a year for years. Why did it change? What happened? It has changed for a number of reasons. The main reason, though, was the development of, um, I would say, competition in the area. Competition in the area, and I'm talking about uh, Greece also, Turkey, uh, other destinations like Tunisia and um, uh, uh, neighboring countries, I would say, or this part of the world, that we are offering very much lower price products. The development of mass tourism, as you know, and probably you were working for a big developer, for a big tour operator, probably at the time. And to, to, to make money, they were always striving for low cost products, mass products. And that was the time that Cyprus could not compete because our product was expensive. Our infrastructure was expensive. Um, we had to build hotels from scratch. As you know, and uh, we all know that since 1974, after the 1974 uh, invasion and the problems we have had, we had to start from the beginning. We had to build new hotels. So... Uh, investment was high. We were importing a lot of things. Therefore, we could not compete with the low price destinations. That's something which we have started to correct in the mid-2010, I would say, say 2014, 2015. That's when we started to reverse this situation. But of course, the latest crisis like COVID and now with the invasion in Ukraine, we are having problems again. But it seems that Cyprus will do comparatively well in this year. That's good. That's very good. It's, um, I have always been against, that's my personal take, I have always been against all-inclusive hotels. I don't like all-inclusive hotels because I always felt that they are keeping people in the hotel and they are ruining the people's around restaurants and, and bars business. What is your take on all-inclusive? I, I am totally with you. <laughs> I can simply say that all-inclusive type of tourism is not sustainable tourism, is not what we call sustainable, is not what we call green, eco-friendly, and what we call a viable model of tourist development. When you talk about all-inclusive, you're talking about huge amounts of wastage, low-quality products, and there is a lot of resource-absorbing type of tourism, which makes bad to the economy rather than good to the economy. So we've got to concentrate on lower numbers or on more quality product offering, not necessarily luxurious, in other ways, waste 
spending money for nothing, but spending money for obtaining the right experience and learning and living in a in an eco-friendly way, which all these things mean sustainable development. So, yes, I agree with you, and this is what we all, all countries would have to to concentrate on. Wonderful. Um, Now, you became, I think, was it in 2014 that you became the chairman of the Cyprus uh, Tourism uh, Organization? Yes, yes. Tell me a little bit. In 2014, and I was the chairman for five years, yes. What was your experience? Well... Let us not forget that uh, we took office soon after the economic crisis, that the worst economic crisis that we had in Cyprus. Um, and um, uh, it was the time when tourism, for whatever reasons, were at its lowest. The, the worst years was in 2012, 2013, and the tourism at the time was around 2.3 million, okay? And when we took over, we had to devise new ways of cooperation with airlines, with tour operators. Uh, We had to reintroduce our product to the markets. Uh, We have seen a lot of people. We have had tremendous meetings to explain and to commit that the, the tour operators and the visitors would have a very good time and um, uh, enjoy their stay here in a safe environment. And we managed gradually to come up to the record figure of 3.9 visitors uh, in 2018. So we were lucky. We, we were very happy to see that we have uh, seen results We have reorganized the organization, the Cyprus Tourist Organization. We have taken drastic decisions and measures. And um, we all feel very happy that um, um, we we have achieved what we were supposed to do and help our economy. What was the worst experience? What was what was the most difficult? Was it the finance, not having the financial support, or what? What do you think was the most hindering aspect? Okay, I'm going to be very blunt, and this is something which I believe it happens everywhere. Don't forget, the organization was a semi-government organization, was a government organization, and as you know, government organizations are not as efficient as they should have been. Me coming from the private sector and the rest of the members of the board, we are all from the private sector. We have faced a situation that has shocked us. Okay, there were practices which were not acceptable to us. Therefore, we had to take drastic decisions, reorganize the organization. And in fact, we were the only board of directors of a semi-government body since Cyprus independence in 1960 that we have fired the top three managers of the organization without paying one euro penalty because we had all the evidence to prove that they were not doing a proper job. 
Okay. And this is something which is a good lesson for everybody. And it's something which we all have to understand. And whether we are government employees or whether private employees, we have to respect our country. And that's the motto that we all, we should all follow. If we are, whether we are on the private sector or the government sector, we are there for one thing, especially if we are working for the government sector, we must understand that we are there and we are paid from, for, by some others to service them. Okay, and that's something which uh, we need to change drastically uh, in Cyprus. That was the most difficult thing we had to go through. We've gone through it. We made the changes we wanted to make and we have seen the results. Fantastic. Now I checked my statistics and I am people are listening to my podcast in over a hundred countries. How what would you tell to these people? Why should they come to Cyprus? And what is your favorite place in Cyprus? One thing which we have developed in our talks, and when we were presenting Cyprus to, to anybody, is that Cyprus is a world of its own. It has a lot of things, a lot of things which one can visit in a very short time and in a short distance. And I will tell one thing that you will understand because you live here and you understand what I mean. For a number of months, people can ski on the snow and within half an hour, they can drive to the sea and they can ski in the sea or they can swim in the sea. With a maximum of one and a half hour, they can go from one side of the island to the other and they can see completely different things. We have mountains, we have sea, we have history going back thousands of years ago, we have culture, we have a number of monuments which are UNESCO uh, approved documents. A visitor spending a week in Cyprus can gain experiences that would probably take him to visit four or five different other countries. Yeah, that is very. And that is that. That is the beauty of Cyprus. We have excellent weather for at least ten months. Excellent weather. We have one or one and a bit very hot month, and we have probably one month which is probably rain and cold, etc. But the rest of the year, we have an excellent weather. We have good quality of life. We have secured life, uh, security in Cyprus is, is, is there and Cyprus has been raided and there are ratings and Cyprus has been raided as one of the most secure places to live and enjoy and visit. So uh, this is what we call, what we understand as what we are. 
Yeah, that is so true. And by the way, because you were saying that it's Cyprus is a country where you can ski and swim in the sea within uh, an hour. And I did that for the first time after 35 years. I did it this winter. I wanted to prove it that it's possible. And I went swimming in the morning and then I went to Trotos in the afternoon and I went skiing. And I, of course, I posted it on all my social media. Everybody in the world knows that now. Uh, um, another That's thing... Cool. I- that um, I think may also be uh, interesting to mention is that Cyprus is a good place for digital nomads. We have very, very good um, internet connection. We have very good access to, um, to, to to anything technical. That reminds me that I forgot something to tell you when you 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 were asking me about the 80s at the time, in, in the 80s and when we were presenting Cyprus in all over the world. And we had a broad a big, a big, big book, and we were saying that Cyprus. One of the things that it's strong about is that we have excellent technology, and that was at the time the telephone and the telex and the fax and, and all these things. But still, it was from everywhere one could communicate easily. And the second thing is that Cyprus was and still is the second country in the world having tertiary education, the population has university education second to Canada. So we have in terms of human resources, instead of capital wealth, we have a lot of educated people that can do a lot of things. Uh, we have good technology and the rest we said about our weather and our environment and the schools are very good. Um, even people that are visitors, they can appreciate that we have very good schools. Um, they can they can have all sorts of education. They can have the British curriculum. They have the French curriculum or the German curriculum. Um, you have all these schools in Cyprus and you can prepare yourself to go to any university. We have, even in Cyprus, we have good universities now, both public and private. And this is something which is upcoming also uh, in our country. And we are a small country. I mean, considering the size of Cyprus, it's fantastic, the amount of education that is available. Coming back, what is your favorite place in Cyprus? My favorite place in Cyprus is Paphos. I like, and, and the mountains, of course, but when you say Paphos, you mean both the inland and the seaside, uh, I'll say. And I would probably say that I very much like the Polis area, an area with beauties. It has the hills, it has high, I mean, you find villages 800, 900 meters altitude. But within 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you can be on the sea, you can have nice food, you live in a nice environment, etc. And of course, I'm a lover of our mountains. I love our mountains. I think Trodos is one of the most beautiful places in, in, in the world. Um, one can enjoy uh, good weather, good atmosphere, uh, healthy weather. You can have your strolls in the in the in the woods, and it's something which offers you a different feeling 
it's a different feeling. I love the area of Bolislaci and I've started during COVID when we couldn't travel, I started doing a birthday hike, the Aphrodite Trail, which starts at the Bath of Aphrodite and then goes down to the Blue Lagoon. It's a beautiful, yes. beautiful hike. What about the future? Where do you think Cyprus is going when it comes to generally tourism? What's going to happen? What is your take on the, on the future of the, the Cypriot tourism? Well, first of all, we need to concentrate, uh, like what I said before, on quality tourism. Okay, quality. I mean, we sh- we should attract people that are in search of a life experience, people that are in search of good food, healthy food, healthy living. Okay, uh, you can have. Nice walks, you can have any sport you like in Cyprus very easily, whether this is uh, biking or whether this is walking or whether this is scrolling or diving or whatever. The food, if you are careful and we are careful, and this is what the deputy ministry is putting a lot of effort to bring up the genuine food of the country and bring it up and say, this is what it is and this is how we make it and this is how we cook it from resources and materials that are grown in the area. And of course, our culture, our our long history, which is everywhere. Wherever you go, you see things that remind you or tell you that this is what happened thousand years ago or 2000 years ago or 4,000 years ago. These things are the things that we should concentrate, we should be creating products around these things that are natural, we should stick to authenticity. We must never forget that luxury tourism is simple tourism, it's not complicated type of tourism. That's luxury. luxury is what makes you feel comfortable, okay? There are too many complicated things. Walking into a room of a hotel that you need to have a doctorate degree to, to work out the machines and the equipment and all that, that's, that's not, that's yeah. a very complicated uh, type of tourism. We want simplicity. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, some I've been to hotel rooms where you actually, you don't know how to turn off the light at the end when you want to sleep. Now, you have done so many things in your life. You have really, really had different kinds of careers. What does Angelos Loisu do today and where can people find you? Well, what I do and people find me whenever they have usually a problem because I have been an advisor for the last, 30 years, I have advised a lot of people in many type of areas, mainly in the in the hospitality area, I would say. In the financial sector, of course, I've always been a financial consultant. I've been advising people how to set up a business, how to structure their business, how to comply with the regulations of the area of Cyprus, but also internationally. Uh, how to be legal and how to do the business properly and all that. So this is what I mainly do now. I am, as you might have seen, the the advisor to the Association of the Cyprus Tourist Enterprises, which are the four and five-star hotels 
in our island. So I, I am advising the board uh, as to the next actions that we should be taking and doing and all that. And, and basically still trying to help people, trying to help uh, businesses to, to do well. You have a consultancy company and we are going to put the link to your website in the show notes so people can find you in case they need you. And um, I think that more or less concludes. That's what that's all I wanted to know from you. Is there anything else that you would like to tell to the people who are listening to our podcast? Well, let me tell you from my part that what you are doing is probably more important than what we are saying. Uh, the way you do things, the way you create this podcast, you, you help people learn, I think. It's, 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 it's a very nice way of understanding um, matters, understanding way things are done and getting things done. Um, you are introducing them in a nice way. Uh, I wish you also success in what you do. I'm, I'm, I'm always available should you ever need anything or if anybody is asking you something that I could be of help, I would be more than glad to, to be in touch. Well, I think this is a, thank you so much. This is the perfect ending to a wonderful talk. Thank you so much for being on Most Memorable Journeys today, Angelos Loisbu. Thank you. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Thank you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.